Now that the Texas legislature has finished its regular session, over the next few weeks we're going to take a look at how they did on spending, property taxes, and other areas, according to some of the biblical principles and passages we've reviewed over the last two weeks. So please join us on this week, episode 133 of the Liberty Cafe, as we look at the Texas legislature and corporate welfare. Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and I'm blessed that you're with me this week on the Liberty Cafe. It's it's a great opportunity for me to just be able to visit with you about some things that I find important, and I hope that you find important as well about how we can stand up for liberty, our Christian liberty, our civic liberty, our economic liberty here and fight against oppression that we see in our culture and uh, truly even in ourselves sometimes as well. So also blessed here to be part of the Texas Scorecard Network. They're the sponsors of the Liberty Cafe. So please head on over to texasscorecard.com and see what they're up to and how they're going to be uh, kind of evaluating the Texas legislature and what they've done and, and what the path forward is for fighting for liberty in Texas. So that's what we're going to do today on the Liberty Cafe. We're going to start our series, and it's going to be probably two or three uh, different uh, segments on how the Texas legislature did this session. Now, of course, if you're following these things, you know that they didn't give us any property tax relief. The uh, the governor and the lieutenant governor and the speaker of the House, the Senate and the House are in a stalemate over the best way to provide property tax relief. And so we're not going to deal with that today other than I say that, and I don't say this very often, but I think the Texas House has the best approach to this. I think Abbott, the House, and the Senate have come up woefully short on what we need. But nonetheless, the, the best deal we're going to get out of this is what currently Abbott and the um, and the House are, are backing rather than what Patrick and the Texas Senate are backing. So we'll see how that plays out. And then after they're done with that, we'll come back and look at property tax relief a little more clearly. We'll also, I think next week, we'll pick up and look at the Texas budget. But, but this week, we're looking at corporate welfare. And, and I think this is a really good place to begin because more than anything else, I mean, people are pretty tired of government spending increasing and their taxes increasing. But as much as anything else, I think this this whole corporate welfare scheme is something that has really motivated voters over the last 10, 15 years. I think that's where a lot of the Tea Party uh, movement came out of from. I think that's where a lot of the Trump populism came out from. It's this partnership between big business and big government and it's bad enough that government takes our money but then it gives our money to big business in all different forms and fashions sometimes it's through contracts hiring them for instance to produce vaccines that's just one way or military equipment but sometimes it's just giving them contracts like to google and facebook and and twitter i think maybe even uh, sometimes it's just handing out money to whatever business happens to show up at the door. And, and so that's what we're going to talk about today because I, I think it's just very obviously wrong. Um, 
I used to talk about this from a perspective of the Mackums and Tackums, or the makers and takers, right? The makers are those of us who are out there earning money. We may not make a lot of money, but we're out there earning it. But then the government comes along and takes it from us, the makers, and gives it to the takers. Those folks over there, and a lot of them are big businesses, and it's like their billion-dollar per year income isn't enough for them. They want more, and rather than come compete with each other and try and get money from us through as consumers, they just take it from us as taxpayers. If they tried this without the government, they'd be going to jail. But since they're taking it, using the government as an intermediary, it's all about economic development. So that's what we're going to look at today. As we do this, so I want to just bring in some of the biblical principles that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks from Pastor Douglas Wilson, and then just a Bible passage or two that go along with that. And that I think it helps put this, all this in context. So for principle 13 from Pastor Wilson, and heck, we may use this one all the way through, but we'll start with it here. No human authority, civil magistrates included, can be absolute. God alone has absolute authority. Man's authorities are always limited and bounded. Well, as we look this week at, at corporate welfare, there seem to be no bounds on it. There, there seems to be no limits on it. There seems to be no limits on the authority of government to come and take our money and give it to other people. And I clearly don't think that they are submitting to God in this issue because they, they want to be like God, many of them, make government like God. And because one of the reasons we have all this corporate welfare is that it's sort of taking over the economy because for whatever reason, there's I think there's different reasons that our rulers and government don't trust us to make good decisions. They're going to take control over these themselves rather than leaving the decisions about the market and things we buy and things we sell to us and to God. Um, Number four, principle number four, God requires true humility of his rulers. Well, again, I think this fits in the same category that uh, rather they, they think that they can manage our economy better than, you know, those few hundred elected officials in Texas and the few thousand bureaucrats in Texas all think, and then the few hundred or thousands of business, big businesses that are get this largesse, all think that they can manage the economy better than we are. There's there's no humility in that. Then we get to the passage that uh, comes from First uh, Samuel 8, where the people of Israel dying to get a, a king like the nations, not like David, who's a man after God's heart, who God was bringing to Israel. They didn't want to wait for that. They wanted a king like the other nations. And God said, well, okay, you can have them, but this is what's going to happen to you. This king you want is going to take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. Take a tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give them to his officers and his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. I really think that's what we see going on here as corporate welfare grows. We could also apply this to the growth of government, but I think what we don't have vineyards much anymore and olive orchards, but we do have jobs, and we go out and work, and we work hard, 
Yet the government comes and takes the best of our work and applies it to his means. They, they take uh, workers who we could have working for us and apply them to their jobs and tasks and things like that. And then he and then he takes our money and he gives them to their servants, right? Now, these aren't oftentimes servants in government. I think that applies here. But it also, I think, could mean servants who are these big corporations who have now become the servants of government because they're on the take for government. So I think when we're talking about corporate welfare, this is a very great warning. And then finally, uh, the, the last principle is principle six. Tyrants love moral corruption and hate virtuous men. Well, I think there's v very few places in government that are more morally corrupt today than in the corporate welfare because it just gets to be this incestuous mix of politicians and bureaucrats and business own big business owners. It's not usually smaller business owners, but sometimes it is. And these big business owners and and they just they get together and they they make plans how they can take our money and how they can use our money and the stuff they take from us. And it is just complete moral corruption is what's happening there. And then when those who are virtuous in this area, and I'm not saying we're all perfect, but when we come before them and say, look, you're stealing from us. You're, you're stealing from us and giving to these other people. That is wrong. So we're, we're proposing a virtuous solution here. Stop taking our money. Stop giving it to these other people. They hate us, and they you see this all the time in the Texas legislature. They just belittle people who come and, and make this type of argument. All right, so that's all we are. I know that's a lot of background, but I, I wanted to hit this and talk through that. So let's get to the corporate welfare in the Texas legislature. And I think it's fair to say that this was a could be characterized as the corporate welfare session. We could also name it lots of other things, but as much as anything... I think that's what we might characterize this session of the Texas legislature by. It's corporate welfare. One of the big reasons for that is because they had so much money to spend. And in fact, the legislature is spending this session just in its appropriations bills. And we're going to get to where they're spending some other money in just a little bit. But Two appropriations bill. Uh, one is the supplemental appropriations bill, Senate Bill 30, which spends money this current year, 2023. And then House Bill 1 is the, the appropriations bill that spends money over the next two years. Texas has a two-year or a biennial budget cycle. They're spending, this legislative session on the, the three-year period, is up $69 billion over what they spent just two years ago. So three, you compare three-year period to three-year period, $69 billion increase. Th that's outstanding because you, you look and see what they did with that, and it's almost spending on stuff. A lot of government programs, and we'll talk about that next week when we do the budget, but a lot of it went into corporate welfare. And the reason they could do that, because they had so much money and because they chose not to give much back to us in the form of tax cuts, and particularly property tax cuts. As, as we know, we've talked about, they're still debating how they're going to 
give us our money back through property tax cuts, but the number's already been decided because it's in the budget. $12 billion. So out of the $70 billion, $69 billion that they had to spend this session, they could have given a whole lot of that back to us. Probably not all of it because of various needs of government. I mean, if they were serious about it, they could have given it all back to us, but they're not serious at all. But even if they'd been a little bit serious, they could have given us a whole bunch of that back. But instead, they only gave us $12 billion out of $70 billion. What's that, about 15% or so of what they what they had to spend? We got 15% of it, and the rest, they either spent it on government or they gave it to their folks through corporate welfare. And that's what we're going to look at right now. So here, I'm just going to kind of go through a list of sort of di different types of corporate welfare. First, kind of the traditional types of corporate welfare. And let me let me look at that. So there's property tax abatements, you know, where a school district in this case says, hey, let's, um, you know, move into our school district and we'll give you a property tax cut, of usually 50% of your taxes over uh, the next 10 years or something like that. So that, had prop that uh, program had a gone away in, in at the beginning of or the end of last year but they brought it back this time uh, you know that that program cost 12.3 billion dollars uh, to date uh, the, the one that had expired how much it's going to cost over the next two years I'm not sure but but I think it easily it's probably a hundred million dollars or so during that period of time then we have the gov the economic development bank. You know, that they got, and that's a program that loans out money in different ways, $10 million there. Then we have the Governor's Research Initiative. Uh, that's $39 million. Now, a lot of that goes to universities, but almost all of those are somehow in bed with, with corporations that want research done, and they come and partner with these universities. So it's really, uh, in essence, a corporate subsidy. Then we have the Texas Music Incubator, $20.2 million, because somehow Texas can't incubate music without government funding. That seems to be the case, although if you look at the history of music in Texas, you think, well, maybe that's not the case. But our current rulers don't think so. Then, of course, the Small Business Incubator Fund, $19.4 million. Again, one would think that Texas, as dynamic as it is, could incubate a lot of small businesses without government funding, but our rulers don't think so. Now we get to the Texas Product Development Fund, $26.2 million. I could keep saying the same thing. Apparently we need government money to develop products here in Texas. The Texas Enterprise Fund, that's $316 million, a big chunk of change. And this is where Governor Abbott can go out there and, and say, hey, big business from wherever it is, come Come um, come to Texas and we'll give you however much money I want to give you because I'm the governor and the legislature's told me I could do this. $316 million for the Enterprise Fund. Then we have the Events Trust Funds where if we get like the Super Bowl to come to town or um, here in Austin we have the, uh, the Grand Prix Racing. Uh, Formula One, you know, that's 306, I'm sorry, $21 million 
so far in 2023. It wasn't appropriated by the legislature, but that's about how much it's going to has cost us so far. And then we have the film incentive program. This is amazing. The the existing film incentive program, and then a new Texas Moving Image Industry incentive program. Between the two of those, it's looking at about three hundred million dollars, because again. Um, we can't compete with Hollywood, apparently, unless we throw hundreds of millions of dollars at the movie industry. Not that we really want to compete with Hollywood, or I would think we that we want to subsidize the kind of movies they make in Hollywood, but uh, that doesn't seem to be a problem with the rulers of Texas. So you take all that out, up, and these, these, this is money that's come out of the Texas legislature's appropriations bill, right? $852 million right, for kind of what we would call traditional uh, economic development funding. A lot of money, but it's really just chump change because uh, in, in a bill, Senate Bill 30, and this is where we start getting into the B numbers instead of the M numbers. In Senate Bill 30, and this is the last of the appropriations this session that we'll talk about in, in, the, in the appropriations bills, they, um, the, in Senate Bill 30, they appropriated $3.9 billion to energy companies for debt relief. And this goes back to the, the PUC's decision to artificially and arbitrarily and really wrongly raise energy prices from about $2,000 per uh, kilowatt megawatt hour during Winter Storm Uri to $9,000. And it was wrong on all kind of levels and I'm not going to talk about that but that drove the prices up so that we spent more money in the two weeks around winter storm Uri on electricity than we had in the previous year total two weeks more more in those two weeks than the whole previous year as a total and because of the government got in the way and at least the Texas Senate tried to reverse that, but the Texas House and Texas governor wouldn't do that. And so a lot of companies went broke. Uh, other companies accumulated a lot of debt. And so rather than just reverse those and make those companies um, make those companies uh, give back some of the money they got from those artificially high prices, the legislature instead has decided to just throw $3.9 billion of our money at those companies. Uh, at those companies, right? It's just corporate welfare. So all you total up all that they put into the, the appropriations bills, that's $4.7 billion. But again, that's kind of just the jump change because now we get to the constitutional amendments that are going to be on our ballot in November because the legislature has a problem because they can appropriate money, but they can only appropriate so much money without running into the, the constitutional spending limits, uh, particularly the, the one that says you can only increase funding, spending by so much each year or each biennium. And so they, they bumped up against that limit. They couldn't do any more. So what they did instead was they just decided, okay, we're just going to go around the constitutional spending limits by putting this stuff in the Constitution. So they have put, we're going to have 13 constitutional amendments on the ballot this November, and out of those, seven of those are going to cost Texans $12.1 billion. So let me just run through those really quickly for you. 
and explain. We don't have proposition numbers yet, so I can't tell you what the propositions are going to be. And we'll talk more about that when we get those numbers, when we get closer to November. But right now, I'm just going to give you the, the programs. So there's going to be a cost of living adjustment for retired teachers. Right, so that, that maybe this isn't strictly uh, corporate welfare, but you know, when you think of, to me anyway, when I think of public schools, government schools, I mean, I don't see much difference between them and corporations today because they're all basically just taking our money. So there's going to be a $3.3 billion uh, expenditure if we as Texans approve this in November that's going to in increase cost of the cost of living adjustments for these retired teachers who's already taken us for quite a bit. Then there's the creation of the Texas Energy Loan Program. So it wasn't enough for the legislature to pay off the debt of these um, energy companies. Now they're going to start loaning up to four, $5 billion to companies to build new generation and then pay them more money to complete the building within a certain period of time. That That's $5 billion. Whether it's going to cost us all of that, who knows, but that's how much they are appropriating for this if, again, we allow them to do that this November. Then we're going to they want to create the tech, the Texas Broadband Infrastructure Fund. That's at a cost to us of $1.5 billion. Now, the, the truth of the matter is, is we don't need to do this because most people, even in rural Texas, have access to broadband. And those few that don't will very soon have it because of the uh, earth or the satellites that Elon Musk is building up there and everybody's going to be able to have anywhere in the world access to broadband out in rural Texas and it, it just we don't need to do this 1.5 billion dollars then we have the Centennial Parks Conservation Fund that's another billion dollars again that that's not exactly corporate welfare but it's spending and we're going to count it in here because I want to talk about the constitutional amendments all at one time 1 billion dollars for parks conservation. If it's so important, put it in the budget and don't spend something on somebody else rather than going around all the budget limits, the constitutional budget limits, and put it in the Constitution. And then we have the uh, creation of the, both the Texas Water Fund and the New Water Supply for Texas Fund. Why they need two of them, I don't know, but they do. That's another billion dollars. And I guarantee you, this, this sounds like it's going to solve our water problems, it's not. And that's one of the things they do is they think, oh, we've got all these problems. We're going to sell this to the voters as a serious solution to our problems. But it doesn't do that. This $1 billion for these two funds is simply going to go to, just like the, the Texas Broadband Fund, it's going to go to rural companies and other companies building out infrastructure for water. But it's not going to solve our problems because they don't solve our problems. These companies don't, whether it's the telecom or the water companies. Then they're going to rename the National Research Uni University Fund to the Texas University Fund, and then they're going to give them 273 million new dollars. And again, as I pointed out, a lot of this research just goes hand in hand with big businesses who come and partner with universities. And finally, we're going to grant a property tax exemption on medical equipment and inventory to businesses who are in that kind of business. That's a 29. 
million dollar cost over the next two years. So again, you total that all up, that's $12.1 billion. And you total that up with the money that's going through the appropriations bill. Total, I would suggest, of, of corporate welfare and related type expenditures this session. If we approve this stuff at the November ballot, $16.8 billion. That is much more money than the legislature decided to give us back through property tax relief this session. And so what I would suggest to those of you who are listening is that when you go to the ballot in November, learn about these these programs, learn about which proposition they are, and vote all those down. Because if we do, all of a sudden that's going to free up about $12 billion. We can't do much about the, the other money, but we can do something about this. We can turn it down and tell the legislature that we don't want you spending our money subsidizing all these big corporations. Instead, take this money back and give it back to us in property tax relief. All right, thank you very much. really appreciate you being with me this week on the Liberty Cafe. As always, I hope that we've learned something together on this, and we've learned uh, some things we can do to go out and um, fight against oppression. This week, I hope that that has particularly been the case because this is very concrete. Go vote against these amendments, and we get $12 billion that we can use for property tax relief if we can put the pressure on those folks. So thank you for being here, and also thanks once again to our sponsor for the Liberty Cafe, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate this show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.